today I want to ask you, what does the Holy Spirit have to say to you about what God's desiring to reveal? So important that we tune in, not just to have an inspirational message of positivity, but that we really hear the impartation of heaven in our hearts. So I want you to pass the books down, if you will. We're going to continue in our clothed series, focusing in on the armor of God, how we're clothed with Christ. And I just, I want us just to be sensitive today. I just believe God wants to speak with, with such clarity, with such certainty that we would know that we know we have heard the Lord. We have heard the Lord. Travis, uh, good to see you here this morning. Travis and uh, the Rockers have been walking through so much with their adoption situation and fostering situation. So um, we're just agreeing right now, Lord, for health and wellness and strength over their family. Lord, as they walk that, all those details, Lord, out coming together for your will to be done. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you, Lord, for the strength of God that abounds within our bodies. And we receive that, Lord, by your stripes, we were healed. We just take up the weapons of our warfare today, and we declare in every direction. Come on, for the people sitting in front of you, the people sitting behind you, people sitting to your left, people sitting to your right, you are a weapon in the hand of God when you begin to pray. So, Father, use us, I pray. Awaken something within our voice that releases God's kingdom to hiss the enemy away and chase down darkness, proclaiming light is advancing to the north, the south, the east, and west, because we are surrendered to you today more completely. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, we just hiss the enemy away in declaration today. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, there is something about clapping our hands that significant Scripture says in Job 27, we hiss the enemy away. It's a principle revealed. We hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands. Last week, I mentioned the Dream Center, who will be here in two weeks, coming in from Springfield. And I, I tried to remember their Jesus chant, and uh, later I realized I didn't get it right. <clears throat> so I want to give it to you because they're going to be here in two weeks, and they might start doing it, and then you can jump in with them because I remember it now. Okay, so you're going to have to help me. Are you ready? All you do is you say, uh, Jesus, clap, clap, Jesus, clap, clap. You ready? We're going to do it real fast, though. One, two, three. Let's do it. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Je no, you got you to be vocal with this now. This is, this, is war. this is warrior vernacular. Let's try it one more time now. Are you ready? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to do it. When they show up in this house in two weeks, it's going to be just fantastic, the revelation they carry. Listen, I, I seriously, in, in role of ministry now for many years, we have had the opportunity to see God do some amazing things in many broken people's lives. And I have perhaps never seen more broken people than the people that are going to be before you that day, and I would define them now as unbroken people who came to know the love and the life of Christ that put the pieces back together again. So, plan uh, to come full force two weeks from today, and we will really press in. <clears throat> and let's bless them. Let's really bless them. Come prepared to give in the giving stations, and let's bless them on that Sunday that they're here. Well, Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. People that are tormented spiritually, who've chosen not to believe in what God has revealed as truth, are people that have no power to fight that which torments them. And God wants to equip us with revelation and understanding of what He has given us, the tools that He has given us to not just survive, but to conquer. And to not just conquer, but to more than conquer. And we really have that capacity and ability within us. And we've walked through the different elements of uh, Scripture, looking at the armor of God that we're commanded to put on. And today I want to just point out something. There's a hand-in-hand expression in verse 17 of Ephesians 6. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So today the title is Salvation and the Sword. And those two go hand in hand, and I'm going to explain why they're so closely connected, even in terms of uh, various portions of Scripture helping us to understand. But recognize this says, uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When you're reading your Bible in the New Testament and you read the word Word, uh, you have to realize that there are two different words that translate there. This particular word, I'm going to break it down a little bit for us to understand why. Uh, in just a little bit, but I want you to kind of tuck it away in your brain. This is rhema. The sword of the Spirit is about rhema. The belt of truth is about logos, but the sword of the Spirit is about rhema, and I'll try to give an explanation so that you can understand why we see that distinction in Paul's writings here. The helmet uh, of the Roman soldier was so strong. And so I have a picture of the soldier. We keep taking a look at that week after week to see the various components. But the helmet of the Roman soldier literally was so strong that it could, uh, it could keep a battle axe from penetrating it if, if struck in the head. And so this is, this is no small piece of armor. This is a big deal. And, and, and let's just take a look at this from this standpoint. Again, God used Paul's awareness of the soldier's pieces of the armor to describe these things to us. So if you have ever been in a fight, then you know the first thing you're going to do is put your hands up to protect your face and your head. Uh, it's pretty important you do that. You can take the soldier down. And so your, your helmet is a really important part of this, your salvation. Uh, when we start talking and thinking about salvation, why did God use the helmet as the expression of salvation? And you understand when you put your hands up, you're protecting your face, your head, you're protecting your, your ability to think, your ability to see, your ability to judge. You don't want to be impaired. If you're in a fight, you need to be able to be assessing everything that's going on. And if you're not awake... Uh, because your faculties are inhibited, then you're not going to fight. If you're not awake because your faculties are inhibited, you're simply not going to be able to fight. If you're not spiritually awake this morning, you're simply not able to fight. 
You need to be spiritually awake. That starts with being spiritually alive. That starts with knowing Christ as your Savior. We don't want to make people religious. We, want to, we don't want to make bad people good. We want to make dead people live. This is not about making people you know, really have a religious ideology and, and stay true to being as moral as possible so we can develop a strength in society. Listen, those are all residual issues. Here's the main thing. Without Christ, you are not alive. You might think you're alive, but you're not alive. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and they died, it, the Scripture says they died. They were still having a conversation with God, yet they were dead. You understand, it appears like they were living, but they were not living. They were dead. Some of you need to hear today because true life is not just about breathing and existing and procreating and trying to develop a legacy in the earth. True life is about Jesus Christ awakening you to the original purpose and intent of God for you to be a mighty and powerful son and daughter of God. Come on, help me today. I need some help today. We're declaring this in Jesus' name. God's family is coming alive. His sons and daughters are being awakened in Jesus' mighty name. You must protect your face, your head, your faculties. You must contain your thought life. You must reel it in. Think the thoughts of God. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. And you have the capacity to do this. The devil tries to attack the mind. He's always trying to attack our thought life. In our thought life, he's trying to disillusion us, disqualify us, literally trying to dismantle us, ultimately trying to destroy us. And I just want you to know, your mind has the power to destroy your life. Your mind has the power to make you physically sick. Do you realize that? Your mind has this enormous God-given power. Your mind has the power to unlock some things in your future if you'll just get your thinking right. This is why salvation, the helmet, comes with the sword, the rhema. Now, when, when Paul is looking at these items, we talked about this, the shield of faith that he referenced wasn't the presentation shield, not the parade shield, not the march to church like a good little Christian does shield. This is, this is talking about our gathering together, getting our war on fresh and new for another week that we're going out to battle with the battle shield in place. Rising up in faith. And we see this with a sword. There were five swords that the Roman soldiers would actually use and utilize. And there's a specific sword that Paul referenced. And I want you to understand which sword that is. First, again, there's a presentation sword. There's a fencing sword that they used for sport. That's not what he was talking about. There was a gladius sword that was very long and heavy and required two hands for uh, you know, the, the fight going on. It was sharp on one side and blunt on the other. That was the gladius sword that a Roman soldier would use. He's not talking about that. There's a dagger that would be potentially referenced as a sword, just a very small uh, blade that would be on the, the soldier's body so that in the, in the event of hand-to-hand combat and, and the need for an additional weapon, that could be quickly grabbed and used in small uh, wrestling spaces. But that's not what he's talking about. Then there was kind of a plain sword, and this sword was 17 inches long, more for uh, you know, taking tourists through the, through the various communities that they were trying to sheriff and patrol, then they would have this particular sword on, but the, you recognize there's a very uniquely different sword that he's talking about when he's talking here, and the word he used in the Greek, all this is on the, the blog, go to the website, download the app, destinychristian.com forward slash app, and get that information if you want to really study this out further, because I'll give you what the Greek word is and, and further explanation, but this is a 19-inch razor 
sharp sword. And I, I want to just take you through a little bit of a gruesome detail about this particular sword. Razor sharp with the tip pointed up. And this particular sword, you understand, part of warfare, particularly in that day, was to, uh, to try and deal with people emotionally, mentally, and, and, and intimidate them. And this sword was very known. And when a Roman soldier would get into a battle and would literally stab their adversary with that sword, the tip up, they would grab with both hands and wrench the sword sideways, literally chiseling the inside of the other human being's body. It's a gruesome, gruesome thought. It's a, it, was, it brought terror in the hearts of adversaries to the Roman soldiers, and it did so on purpose because it was intended to shred the enemy's insides. Now, the reason I tell you this is because it is very important that you recognize this is what God chose to reveal as the power that you and I have with the rhema word of God. The power that, listen, your situation doesn't have to take control of your life. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Your situation does not have to take control of your life. One word from God can cause the adversary, the enemy, to literally step back, take his hands off your kids, take his hands off your situation, and you begin to wake up to a new power God has placed within your hand. so graphic because it's just this rhema declaration that God empowers us with that literally allows us to keep the enemy from penetrating our minds with his accusations and deceptions, causing us to live a life less than God intended for us to live. I believe there's more in you than you realize. I'm calling to what God has seeded and deposited in your life today. Perhaps some of you in this room have not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've had a religious expression about your life, but I'm talking about opening your heart, letting Jesus come in, the Holy Spirit awakens you, and you start to live a Spirit-led life, clothed in the armor of God, being everything God has called you to be, declaring the kingdom of God is advancing in every direction because of who you are. Rhema word. Have you ever been reading, and all of a sudden, a word just leaps off the screen at you? All of a sudden, high, you know, it's just highlights. It's something you've read before, but all of a sudden, you see it in a totally different light. Literally, rhema word is that which God illuminates for you to see from a very uniquely specific perspective for a very uniquely specific moment. Logos word, the belt of truth around the center core of our lives is, the, is that Scripture written word that, that always substantiates the rhema word that God will give to you. But a rhema word in your situation can literally see you through a storm that otherwise might take you out. Now, we, we really believe in celebrating the rhema word of God. And I want to give you a few guidelines about the rhema word of God. Even in preparation, you might not realize this, but every time we have a, a month with five Sundays... Then the fifth Sunday is always what we call a prayer and prophetic Sunday. And that's where we come in and we have worship a little bit in the beginning and then a little bit of instruction, teaching, scripture, and then we just press into worship and prayer and prophetic. Because God's speaking. God is having a conversation with each and every one of us, and we want to awaken that conversation within the heart of God's people and God's family. 
And so this, week, this month is a five-week Sunday, but because the Dream Center students will be here on that fifth Sunday, that means next week actually is going to be our prayer and prophetic emphasis, where we're going to gather in this room with absolute expectation that God is revealing His Word by His Spirit, awakening us to some specifics about what He's desiring within our lives. I want to just challenge you this week. Really tune in. Dial in. Just listen. Get in the Word. Listen. Turn on your worship. Just listen to what God wants to say. Begin to write some things down. I'm amazed at how many times people have walked up to me with journals after I've spoken a message, and they have shown me what I just spoke that they had written the week before in their book. Word for word in many instances. What that means is we all can hear the voice of God together. You don't need me to be your priest telling you what God has to say. We need to gather together as the body of Christ, listening together to what our Father is wanting to say, and conversations become confirmations that we're hearing Him together as a family, just like God desires for the New Testament church. That is rhema. That is rhema. The sword would clip to and hang from the belt. This is important. The rhema and the logos are intricately connected. You understand what I'm saying? God reveals something, it's going to substantiate his word. We'll, we'll always find that whatever God is speaking to us can be lined up with Scripture. If you ever feel like God has spoken to you something that doesn't line up with his written word, then you have missed God. How many of you can hear God? Can I just see? Just raise your hand. You can hear God. I hope everybody knows you can hear God. The Scripture says that we as His sheep know Him. We hear His voice. So how many of you can hear God? And let me ask this. How many of you can miss it when you thought you heard God? Right? And so those exist. That's, that's fine. Jesus said, put my words into practice. You're not always going to get it right. Even the best of the best don't always get it right because none of us are Jesus. Only Jesus is Jesus. And so when we gather and we begin to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, then we always want to look for how that lines up with His Word. I had a, a good friend of mine who actually got married. He and his wife just, you know, it all started so beautifully. And then he got involved in a worship team, and his wife wasn't a worship singer. And when he got in the worship team, he met a woman on the worship team who had a gifted voice, and the two of them began to sing some, some parts of the set together. And he, he said, God has given me direction that I am to leave my wife and marry this person so that our gifts will be stronger to express God's kingdom in the earth. That's not true, okay? God doesn't violate His Word. And so you need to hear that, and you need to know that, and you need to have that certainty as you walk this out. Listen, when somebody gives you a word, I had somebody tell me one time, you are going to go live in Africa. <laughs> I found the rains down in Africa. You know, that, the whole theme song started happening. Anybody know that song? <laughs> Some of y'all. And so, you know, uh, I, I just want you to know, I am not going to live in Africa. <laughs> The reason I know that with certainty is because I married Tracy, and she doesn't like it hot. And so that's not happening, okay? But I did take a missions trip to Africa to minister to people who live in Africa. Maybe they got part of it right. Maybe they just had pizza the night before and had, you know, some craziness going on in their digestive system. And I don't know what it was. But here's the thing. Listen very carefully. This is so important that you hear. When somebody gives you a word, 
You take that word and you put it on the shelf and you keep living your life. You don't stop living your life because somebody gave you a word. Nobody can hear the voice of God for you like you can hear the voice of God for you. And if it doesn't resonate within you, then leave it alone, leave it on the shelf, and move on. I've seen people completely stop living their lives because somebody gave them a word. Just not an appropriate response to that which God wants to reveal. And you need to understand some of those basics as you walk this out in your life. Salvation comes with a sword. God awakens us spiritually, and then he awakens his word in our lives for the rest of our lives. You are a conversationalist with God. And you need to cultivate that. You need to cultivate that in places of prayer where you're not just talking to God, but you're talking with God. You're not just reading the book, you're sitting with the author. It's not just about the Word of God, it's about the God of the Word, inviting Him into that space and listening to what He has to say and writing things down when you sense it possibly could be from God. Prayer is the place where you practice what God's desiring to reveal. And that is how you got saved. This is important that you understand. This is the sword of the Spirit. I just, there, there's so many elements that I felt I needed to lay so that you could get this. But this, this is the kingpin revelation that I want to give you today. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Just as you received Christ, continue to live in Him. Just as you received Christ, continue to live in Him. I was a total train wreck when I came to know Jesus. Anybody else? I had overdosed on drugs a couple times. I, I, I had no interest in anything other than myself. And something happened in a moment in time where suddenly God was reaching something deeper in me than what I had ever experienced before. Some of you are sensing this this morning. I'm convinced of it. God is reaching deeply into your life. It's more than just the religious message that you've kind of catered to in times past, but you know God is trying to reach deeper than that in you today. And in that moment in my life, when God reached deeply into my soul, He awakened the ability to respond that released the ability of God. Do you understand? God is right there waiting to help us, but we have to respond to Him in order to... There's something, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Have you read that verse of Scripture? That means there are some things you will not have if you do not pray, and salvation is one of those things. And so God begins to penetrate the shell of our lives, awakens a responsiveness within us, and if we're willing to cooperate with that awakened responsiveness, then we respond to Him. We make the sound of heaven. Heaven and earth begin to come into alignment, and then we walk that out. That's how you got saved if you accepted Christ, and in the same way you received Christ, so continue to live in Him. Keep letting him reach deeply into your soul and awaken an ability to respond and respond to the Lord your God and release something of rhema and revelation in your world. You have the ability to transform the circumstances around you. Now, I'm going to demonstrate this, and I want you to watch. I want you to see as I demonstrate this. Kind of look over this direction as I say this. It's your next blank. The kingdom of God is voice activated. Look over this way. You see that? The kingdom of God is voice activated. 
See, each week I share with the worship team, there's some key thing where you guys should, you know, that's your cue. That was their cue. How I many you know they were just voice activated to take their place? <laughs> right? They've been dispatched to ministry expression. Listen, listen to their worship. You hear it? You hear it? No, it hasn't started yet. Just because the kingdom of heaven is voice activated and action is released at the sound of our voice doesn't mean it arrives in the moment we speak. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, tell us this. As we see in this particular text of Scripture, this is your action point for the week. Daniel was fasting and praying. Some of you all need to get a hold of what fasting and praying is. It doesn't make God any more aware of you. It makes you much more aware of God. Taking a day of the week, my focal point for that is usually Wednesday, and I just want to, Wednesday's warfare for me, I just want to fast, pray, press in, and really devote myself to listen to what he has to say. Daniel had been fasting and praying with great intensity for 21 days. And I want you to pay attention to what the Scripture says about this. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, say these next four words with me, would you? Your words were heard. Let's say them again. Your words were heard. Daniel, when you prayed and you decided to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. The kingdom of God is voice activated. When you began to pray, your words were heard. And what does it say? And I have come in response to them. This angel was dispatched in response to the first day when Daniel opened his mouth in an attitude of prayer, crying out to God. But verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. There's a battle going on in the heavenlies. We're not just human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience, and there's a lot going on in the spirit realm around you. Wake up! 21 days, this battle raged on. And when you read the Scripture, then he says, Michael, the chief angel, came over to help me, and we were able to break through. And I came here. But since the first day... The first day you spoke, you dispatched me. As soon as you spoke, you released me, and then the battle began to rage. And I'm so glad you didn't give up on the 19th day. I'm so glad you didn't on the 20th day say, well, I guess it's just not God's will. I've been praying for 20 days. I haven't seen anything happen. I'm just going to give up now. No, keep pressing on. Keep pressing in. 20, this is somebody's 21st day today. Somebody's on day 21 today. Somebody's hissing the enemy away today, breaking walls down today, declaring God's kingdom is at hand today. Breakthrough! Your action point this week is to read Daniel 10 and reflect on this important phrase. When words are spoken, swords are drawn. Salvation and the sword. When words are spoken, swords are drawn. It's an obvious correlation in Scripture between words and swords. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And we see that when we take what God reveals and it gets in our mouths and we make a declaration, He makes our mouths like sharp swords. Isaiah 49, 2. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Let God put words 
in your mouth by awakening something in your heart the same way you got saved and you are pulling out a razor sharp two-edged sword with the tip propped up chasing after the enemy get off the defense and get on the offense it is time to charge forward so many Christians let their cycle of pain determine their rhythm of prayer think about what I'm saying we become such reactionists. We pray when something tough happens. And it's good to pray when the difficult situations come. But it's really good to pray without ceasing so that you're not trying to get in practice for a bigger battle at the last minute. No, no athlete ever goes to the Olympics and starts training once they get there. Some of us facing some, some Olympic-sized battles, and we need some preparation and places of prayer. <laughs> Last blank. God has equipped you for transformation. Stop explaining situations and start defining situations. A thermometer hanging on the wall only tells us what the temperature of the room is. But a thermostat hanging on the wall changes the temperature of the room. Don't settle for being a thermometer when God designed you to be a thermostat. Let him awaken something within your heart and declare that I, my child will be adopted. We will see this child through. We will not only adopt a child, we will have a baby. Come on. What are you believing for? What are you declaring? Let God wake something up in you today. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Because you're not a thermometer, you're a thermostat. You don't say, I feel weak. You say, I am strong. Because he's the great I am. I'm aligning with his declaration and what he says is that I am strong. Let the poor say, well, I haven't seen much in my checkbook. Let the poor say, I am rich. Ugh. Sometimes I just feel the warrior Christ who will return on a white horse with blood all the way up to his bridle. There's something ferocious in the heart of God that's being awakened in this room right now. Do not settle for what the enemy has tried to give you. Do not settle for anything less than everything God desires for you to possess. Rise up in him. Rise up in him. <laughs>